Platform listeners, Rachel from Clavu here. Clavu has recently helped Puma increase search-led conversion by 53%. We've also just introduced a host of new features as part of the Clavu AI product discovery suite. Get a demo at clavu.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Replatform podcast. Today, it's just me, Paul, flying solo as James is picking up his kids from school. Um, and today, I'm joined by Candice from 173 Tech. Is that how you is that how you pronounce it? 173 Tech, or is it 173 Tech? 173 sounds good. Okay, great. Um, and then Candice is going to talk to me about reporting and business intelligence and kind of where this sits in businesses, when people need to start thinking about business intelligence, uh, some of the different routes around kind of building teams, uh, using existing off-the-shelf platforms, building your own kind of data warehouse, BI platform. Um, yeah, so I think it'll be a really good episode. Um, Candice, can you give us a bit of an introduction to you and 173 Tech? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Paul. Great to be joining you today. Um, so I'm the co-founder of 173 Tech. We are a modern analytics agency. We help businesses harness the power of data. So that includes creating data strategies, building out analytics infrastructures, and data science models that can be used to optimize every step, step of the business. So that can be revenue, marketing spend, customer retention, and lifetime value. Lovely. Um, and then I guess from when, so when we first spoke a few weeks ago, one thing that I found very interesting was your role as head of analytics at Bumble. Um, can you maybe just talk us through a little bit around what you did there and then what kind of analysis you were doing in your role? Sure. So that was a great time um, at Bumble. I was in charge of creating the analytics function and scaling up the team. So we covered quite a wide range of analytics tasks. Our goal is really to improve the experience of 400 million users and helping them ultimately find really meaningful connections. So lots of analytics we've done use behavioral studies, um, looking at optimizing marketing spend, looking at uh, revenue conversions, improving user engagements and retentions, and also a lot of feature analysis, existing ones, new ones, and building out lots of uh, data science models. Great. And um, and I guess, you know, Bumble's a huge company. And as you say, they have a huge amount of kind of active users. How big a part of their kind of operations was kind of data and insights? Uh, it was one of the key success factors, I would say. Um, towards the so as the app builds, it becomes more and more important to have real life, real time feedback on any features that's being re- uh, released. So and at one at any one time, there are many of ideas going around. You know, how do we you know improve user. Um, user experiences, how to create new features. So the way we prioritize these ideas is very data-driven. So the process is always build an MVP, so quick release, test the data on the subset of the users, making sure nothing major impact, like negative impact on the overall app, given that we're supporting 400 million users. And as soon as we have data feedback, we know whether this will be a killer features or not, in which case we then increase the resources we allocate on that and continuously improve on that feature. So it's a very crucial part of the app building. Okay, and then in terms of kind of user and behavioral data, what was the most interesting thing you found when you were in that role? 
So everything we do um, with the goal is to help people find successful relationships. And so if we see that as the end of the funnel, um, the first step is really to improve the first impression. So that is your dating profile. Um, some very interesting things we found in terms of the profile pictures. For example, the main picture, um, you should always have one solo so of yourself um, with face very visible. The interesting, very interesting thing is for men, you should probably appear quite serious and for women should always be smiling. We found those profile pictures has a very much higher success rate. Brilliant. Yeah, I think uh, some of our listeners can use that to kind of optimize uh, success rates, which is good. <laughs> yeah, there's lot, lots of other things we found. Um, you ultimately become one of my party tricks. Helping people. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good discussion point um, yeah, at the pub. Um, so first question on our kind of core topic. Um, so I guess just, just to set the scene, like what is a BI platform? What is a data warehouse? Um, what role do they play in an e-commerce business? Yeah, sure. So a data warehouse is a, a centralized location per se. So that's where all your raw and model data will be stored. So you can combine all the data sources you have and model it into easily serviceable insights. And in terms of a BI platform, so that they are reporting tools. So where you help you democratize your data is really easily self-service by the wider team. You can have automated dashboards, um, the ability to easily create and share reports by everyone. And some of these tools also give you um, automations of alerts triggered by certain data signals. Great. And um, so I guess a lot of a lot of the clients that I work with are typically brands and a lot of our audience on this uh, podcast are often brands. Um, so what would usually and I know you work with a number of kind of D2C client D2C brands um, and other brands. Um, typically, what are the triggers for brands to start thinking about building their own kind of in-house uh, capabilities in these areas? Yeah. So as the brand grows, um, in terms of revenue and data complexity, this need for in-house will become more and more um, important. The few triggering points we see tend to be when you start selling in multiple geos. So, for example, having multiple shops in Shopify. Um, another thing is if you are scaling digital spend across a lot of different channels and requiring very good visibility across performances on all channel campaigns. Um, another typical ones is when companies stepping up um, CRM effort, um, and in which case you require a holistic view of your customers. So from end to end, from acquisition, past purchases, and all everything basically under the hood. Um, one of the unfortunate case is when people have um, too much data pains, basically too many, many processes and it become quite difficult to manage and people starting to lose trust in the data. Um, so lots of opportunity costs. That's another reason people start looking to in-house this function. That makes sense. And you, you work with a number of brands that are kind of, I guess, probably just coming out of the startup phase, maybe scaling up. Um, in those types of businesses, who would typically own this exercise if they don't have kind of a, a natural kind of owner or kind of like, you know, analyst or anyone in that kind of role? 
that's a really good question. So data benefits everyone. So um, from product, marketing, finance, HR, pretty much every team will need um, data to help their day-to-day function and growth. Um, but it depends on which team benefit the most. So this team, so the, the team owning it will be influencing the direction and also the priorities of analytics. So if you are a product-led company, then the product team makes the perfect sense. If you are marketing-led, then probably your growth function. Um, We do recommend um, whichever function you pick, pick a business function. Um, So, you know, your analytics remains razor sharp um, in terms of focus on delivering value and ROI for the company. And do you have like going, you've obviously gone through that process a lot. Do you have any tips for kind of, you know, I guess, um, ensuring success around kind of, you know, bringing different stakeholders in or kind of cross team activity? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, with e-commerce, we always follow a um, money in, money out process so where the biggest impact you know we always go back to impact on your business um where is the biggest gain and the lowest hanging fruit so that typically for e-commerce is the revenue so we tend to start with integrating data sources that covers uh, the revenue side of things and the main people to talk with um typically are the growth function again um and if it's earlier stages is the marketing people because acquisition plays a big part. If you're growing a bit further on uh, later stages companies, then you know retention, repeat purchases, customer satisfa- satisfactions become a bit more important. So there are a wider range of teams to speak with. Great. Um, and I think this is an interesting one for uh, businesses in that stage that I've spoken about so far. So, so what are some of the advantages of going down the kind of bespoke route and building out your own kind of you know data warehouse and your own kind of reporting around your business versus using some of the off the shelf solution and does this ever change so do you think you know is there a um something to be said for kind of starting off with like a glue or audacity and then kind of growing into your own um kind of internal solutions um what would be what would be your suggestion here Absolutely. So this off-the-shelf tools, they are really great at getting started quickly, as you said, especially when, you know, the resources are limited in terms of tech and engineering. Um, So, you know, it's great to get started that way. So you have, you know, quick visibility over things. Um, The... As you grow, you will need a bit more capacity than what they offer um, because these tools are built for common use cases for majority of the companies out there. Um, The benefit of Bespoke as you grow is really the flexibility. So you can integrate any data sources you want. Um, You can um, create your very own business metrics tailored to your own need. And generally, the insights is a lot more in-depth. So there's a lot more um, growth opportunities you identify easily throughout your own setup. Um, so I'll give you a quick example. So most of these tools would you know, have like a subscription retention view of your, your data. Um, this is really crucial 
um, when you're looking at um, improving the subscription revenues. But you know there are lots of nuances in the data. For example, if you know a user skips an order, um, what if um, you know items are out of stock? What if you know things are delayed? How do they impact on retention? So those things that becomes really difficult to do in an off-the-shelf tool. Um, the other reason, um, the other thing is uh, vendor lock-in. So um, data tend to be you know, all your data processes is built within a third-party tool. So you don't actually own, um, it's not sitting on your own infrastructure. Um, so you are effectively locked into this tool. And also sometimes you, maybe your data is also hosted within the tool. Um, so when the time comes to switch off, there might be frictions. Um, also in the long term, cost can be dramatically, dramatically lower with your own setup if you choose the right tool set. And, and do you ever speak to people and they tell you about their business and their team and maybe, I guess, a lot of these kind of startups and scale-ups uh, can be very busy. Do you, do you ever recommend starting off with any of these solutions to people and then moving into their own bespoke setup? Yes, absolutely. So depending on the stage again, depending on how unique the business is and the growth ambition. So you know, if um, if your business, if the analytics requirement is fairly generic, um, and you just need some quick data, you know, um, high level visibility, then it's a great way to go about it. Um, but as you grow, as your um, you know business become a bit more complex um, in terms of the product you're offering, in terms of all the different um, you know CRM strategies you're you're looking into, then you know that is time because you'll feel a bit you know restricted within the box um, with the off-the-shelf tool. And um and when people start to look at going down the route of kind of building their own centralized reporting or data setup, um, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see? One of the you know um, unfortunate thing we see is company want to do everything at once, which is understandable. Um, so you know they want to integrate all their different data sources, all the data points they've collected. Um, the downside of that is if you when you try to do everything, generally it takes a lot longer um, for any um, value to come through. We generally observe a 90-10 rule. So usually 90% of your business questions can be answered by 10% of your data. So if you could identify this 10% and focus on getting that integrated first and building out your really solid data foundation, you will see, you know, data ROI really quickly. And from there on, you know, you're taking care of 90% of the, the data questions, and then you can continuously add on the rest of the 10%. Um, the other thing we tend to see, um, which causes probably the main course of all the data pains that we're seeing um, is directly reporting on raw data. So, which means a lot of manual processes you still have to be done in either your visualization tools or wherever you're doing the data manipulation. And that leads to a lot of data inconsistency, um, data accuracy issues, and also subsequently loss of trust in data. Um, so, you know, we will always recommend to do a modeling layer. So organize your raw data into meaningful um, data models. Okay. And, and what do you think the starting point is, I guess? So uh, 
from that from the scenario of some of the last couple of questions like people are starting to look at building their own uh kind of setup like do you think it's a case of bringing in a consultant or do you, would you often recommend kind of hiring um what do you think yeah like what does the starting point usually look so well if there are you know um skill set within the team um having previously built a data set then definitely um you always start with the business goal of the project so looking at you know what is your growth goals um, what is your unique econo- economics mapping that into um, the two relationships and breaking that down further into contributing factors so this is a business exercise and then following looking at you know then the tool stack and building out the models um, I think it's, it's worth you know um, speaking with um, you know, an expert on an agency, um, at least just to check because there are hundreds of different data solutions out there. Um, it's good to check with someone who had a wide exposure and knows the ins and outs of all these tools just to make sure you're set up on the right track and not face any scalability issues going forward. And I know, and I probably should have asked this a bit earlier, actually, but I know you have worked with a lot of businesses to kind of build out data teams. Um, and what would this look like if someone's, I don't know, maybe doing 10, 20 million online, um, you know, fast growing brand? Um, what type of person would you, and level of person, would you typically look to hire first? And I realize this would, you know, there's a lot of variables in this, but on average, like, what might that look like? So the first high, uh, so if you're building out this uh, function from scratch, then you will probably need to first hire a business-focused data leader. So that will typically be your head of analytics or some company style it um, as VP of business intelligence or chief data officers. The, the title would vary. So once this person come in um, and they will begin hiring, you know, the, the data team. So that usually consists of uh, you will need a data engineer and also a analyst and potentially a data scientist in the longer run. Um, if you are, so if you had uh, an external agency helping you build out the infrastructure, the baseline, which is usually the hardest bit, and then moving it in-house, handing it over becomes easier. So you could hire, again, you know, either hire an analytics or a senior analyst. Um, so, and this person could take the system forward and make sure the business make the most out of the data infrastructure. Right. And we were originally introduced by Joel from Heights and you mentioned and which is a subscription business and you mentioned subscriptions earlier on and kind of I think that's an obvious use or not necessarily a use case, but I think the value of bringing in a BI tool or kind of building that kind of data infrastructure earlier um, makes a lot of sense uh, because it's a really important one, kind of understanding churn, long term customer value, etc. Does it become, like, I guess, what are some of the things that subscription businesses should be thinking about? And does it become more important earlier because of the importance of kind of modeling, forecasting, and, you know, all of those aspects impacting things like uh, customer acquisition costs, yeah, lifetime value, et cetera? Absolutely. Um, that, that, those are really great points. So subscription business, they, they're very unique and they are... Um, 
you know, growth orientated. Um, they have better predictability of you know, revenue, inventory levels, and as you mentioned, customer lifetime value, especially the lifetime value. Um, because you have this, you know, predictability of it, it help you optimize your marketing spend. So, for example, if an, you know an average order is let's say ten dollars, so instead of optimizing spend to one purchase of ten dollars, if you know your let's say just for argument's sake, your average LTV is you know a repetition of six times, so you know you know on average a user will bring you sixty dollars, so you can't afford to spend. A lot more to acquire user and grow a lot faster. Um, the other thing with um, subscription models is um, when it comes to revenue optimization. So subscription differs from traditional models. So traditional model, traditional models, the goal is to encourage people to come back and make a repeat purchase. When it comes to re, uh, subscriptions, is actually looking at the other end of the funnel. So you want to prevent people from leaving you, so preventing churn and sub subsequently improving retention. So that makes you know retention cohort the visibility of that really important. And you also need to be able to deep dive into the various contributing factors of your retention. So we talked about you know the impact of user skipping orders, um, you know stock delays. Um, shipment delays and also you know the impact of returns. So all those data points and you know you need um, quick feedback so you can identify and mit mitigate the impact of these issues. Um, the other thing is from a finance perspective. So with subscription modeling, there are you know a bit more complex you know different revenue um, modeling, which you know it needs to be also dynamically taking into all the considerations of returns, delays, skips, and all that. So it, it does make data a, a lot more important. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think um, we've definitely seen that with some of our subscription clients. And, and that question came out of, I guess, some, we've seen some fairly small uh, subscription businesses putting this kind of infrastructure in place a lot earlier than we'd probably expect from some of our other clients, because I think there's a lot more value in it. Um, if you were building, I guess, if you were starting a project now and you were working with um, a brand that, yeah, has maybe grown quite quickly, um, doing quite a lot online, um, you know, international, everything else, um, what technology stack would you typically be using or recommending to start with um, if you were kind of building this reporting stack um, and why? So you, when you're building your own uh, stack that's sitting on your own infrastructure, completely owned by yourself, um, the first thing is a data warehouse. So everything will be centered around this one thing. Um, this is, you know, again, where you centralize and uh, model all your data from various sources. Um, data warehouse, um, that could be, you know, a range of choices like Snowflake, Redshift, um, BigQuery, or Microsoft Azure. Um, and from the data warehouse, then we start looking at data coming in. So that's the extraction of data. So here you have automation tools such as Fivetran or Stitch. And once the data arrived in your data warehouse, they are modeling tools. So those are the tools that help you transform 
raw data into meaningful business insights. Um, in this case, we use Sayan, which is our open source package. So we created it to um, achieve maximum flexibility and engineering efficiency. It supports both Python and SQL scripts. And after you model this data, you want to visualize it, so a self-servicing tool. Um, and the purpose here is to turn everyone into a data wizard. Um, and here, the tools are, you know, such as Metabase or Looker. Um, so we generally take a stand of a tool agnostic um, point of view. So we help business choose um, the tool stack. That's the, one of the very first things. We want to make sure whatever the tool you pick um, is tailored to your need, um, is scalable for the future, and is also very cost effective based on your current data size, your growth ambitions, and your usage patterns. Right. And then I think I think that's all of my questions, really. So I think this has been really interesting. Um, can you tell us a bit more about your business and how you typically work with e-commerce brands and businesses generally? Sure. So we there are two type of uh, projects we we help and a lot with businesses. First is to jumpstart your analytics stack from scratch, or we'll help you modernize your existing setup. Um, the way we do um, is by project. So we plan weekly sprints. So typically we'll start with the business side of things. Um, so that will be you know, creating data dictionary, you know, working with different stakeholders we talked about before, looking at what are the KPIs. And then we look at, and that will be used to guide the different data sources that will be integrated into the data warehouse. So, and that would be a um, exercise of a two-stack evaluation. So, as we as we talked about before, we recommend based on your your need and help you choose the most effective tool. And then, you know, from there on, you know, with a data dictionary, we'll translate all those business logics we work together into scripts into your data modeling layer. So it's making sure data is always consistent and accurate going forward. So all these scripts are automated. So you know, you you can be sure um, once it's um, produced, it will be hundred percent accurate going forward. Um, and then from the model data, we'll help you create dashboards. So we we'll tend to start with a master dashboard. Um, that will highlight uh, you know, a few elements of your growth. So that could cover your user acquisition, your conversion of users. And also, if you have a subscription business, we're looking to retention, deep dive retention analysis, um, different life stages of the users, and also the usage patterns. And from there on, the internal team can you know, take it over and expand it is spent on top of that. Um, this project usually takes about 10 to 12 weeks. Um, it will help you build a really solid data foundation. And from there on, you know, we can also help with uh, a bit more, more sophisticated data models, such as LTV predictions, um, marketing RI optimizations, and user segmentations, which can be then used to tie into a lot of different aspects of your product, so CRM, or you know, personalized offers, um, lots of potentials basically fantastic um yeah i think that's really interesting and uh yeah i really enjoyed this episode um if people wanted to find out more about kind of you and your services uh where could they go or how could they reach you uh yeah absolutely um our website 173tech.com um always welcome uh, any conversations we're very happy to chat if you have any data challenges um and yeah just shoot me an email or find me on linkedin candice Yuan. 
Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining and thanks for everyone to tuning in. Um, yeah, as always, if you have any questions about the episode, you can reach out to me or James um, and we can put you in touch with Candice. Um, and if you've got any other suggestions um, for topics or things you want us to cover, please get in touch with us via the website. Brilliant.